G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. What is a challenge to Christian parents is that the values our children are catching may not be the values that we hold. We're going to be hearing from Brett Ryan this morning. We will open the phone line shortly. And uh, Brett is our guest this morning. How are you doing, mate? Good morning to you. It's great to hear your voice, and uh, there's probably many parents that are uh, looking after their children during the school holidays at the moment and thinking, oh, what are we going to do today? Uh, what about you, mate? Are your kids on holidays at the moment? Uh, my kids are all grown up now, so I've got one that's married, and the other one's 23, and the other one's 21, and he's doing an apprenticeship. So, no, school holidays don't have a big factor in our lives, but it does, it does make the roads a little bit clearer. It does. I can benefit that way. Oh, good stuff, mate. Now, it's great to have you with us today. Uh, I've got a question for you. Whose responsibility is our families? Yeah, I actually have that written on the, my sort of my heading on my emails. And to just to remind people, if you're not going to focus on your family, who will? Mm. Because you have to look in the mirror. Honestly, if we get to this point where we outsource everything, as you said in your opening remarks, and especially when it comes to faith, uh, we're looking in the wrong direction. And uh, the important thing is to take responsibility and acknowledge that you know God has given us a job. We are but stewards of our kids. We don't own them. Uh, God has given them to us to mould and shape and, and to care for and nurture them and to... Uh, develop them as best we can. We need God's wisdom and everything. But at the end of the day, uh, we have to make sure that we are accountable for what we've been given. And it's like the story of the talents. We have to be accountable for that. And are we doing the very best? And that's only a question that you can answer as an individual. Mm, absolutely. You know, I was quite convicted a few years ago because, you know, my, I send my kids to a Christian school and they go to a Sunday school on a Sunday and I, I make them watch Superbook DVDs and, well, they enjoy watching, you know. And, you know, I try and get them to watch some Christian programming and things like that. But then I really felt challenged that I wasn't intentionally doing any devotions or anything other than bedtime prayers with my kids. So we now have a, a regular devotions every morning at breakfast time. And uh, I just share a, a, a verse or two and a story or two, and I pray for them. Uh, and we always pray in the car on the way to school in the morning. And it's really changed the spiritual dynamics of our home because we're starting the day on the right foot. How important do you think family devotions is, and, and how does it look for, for other people? Everyone's different. And uh, in our household, we, we, I've seen it work really well, like you just described, and, and they have a regular time. We tried in our household, but our life and schedule were, were quite chaotic. And but, So we applied the Deuteronomy chapter 6 version. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And then it says, you know, you own it first, and then impress it upon your children. When you're getting up in the morning, when you're walking along the road, when you're going to sleep at night, and then fast forward to the 21st century, when you're driving into school <laughs> and sport and music and all those times, there's plenty of opportunities to include faith. And we need to role model it, our own faith, and make it genuine and real and authentic. And kids will catch that. They'll catch 
if it's important to dad and it's important to mum, hey, it must be important to me. And often, if it's not relevant and engaging, and as our faith is relevant and engaging with our Heavenly Father, we role model that to our kids. Because often God can be seen as a party pooper, God can be seen as far and distant, and, but he is genuinely interested in every aspect of our lives. And if we role model that and include that in our conversations, include that in sharing what we've discovered and what's happening in our lives and what's God revealing to you, it becomes really quite a normal matter-of-fact conversation that it's part of our 24-7 living. Mm, it's so good. And, you know, my uh, 21-year-old doesn't live with us anymore. She's, uh, you know, grown up and working. And, and my 13-year-old has recently got a smartphone. Uh, we, we limit his time with it, by the way, but we just let him use it occasionally. Um, but another way that I'm now communicating with those two children is I send them links to articles that I've read or video clips of, of Christian songs or even funny memes. You know, it's a, it's a new way to communicate, but I'm trying to disciple them with digital stuff so they can look at good stuff instead of all the other rubbish they get tempted to look at. Very much so. I mean, exactly right, <laughs> Technology, we can use it to our advantage, and you know, you're right. We have to put some restrictions on it, and we have to put some limits on how much they can consume. But we can use it to our advantage, and sometimes our, you know, our way of learning is not always this way of learning for our children. And so we have to, you know, be students of our our kids, and we have to understand what makes them tick, what drives them, what motivates them. Uh, what they're passionate about, and then leverage that and, and be as well-rounded to hear arguments and we hear debates and not just to be, you know, just to hear it once and that's fact. We want them to be discerning. We want them to use their filters and to understand who God is for themselves and not just from what they hear from others. We want them to own their faith. And it's really important. And, our you know, the greatest privilege... Um, for a parent to actually bring your children to an understanding of who God is for their own their own um, lives, and then they will own it, not not what mum and dad say, not what their brothers and sisters do, but they'll own it, and they're more likely to follow it through. Mm, so good, mate. And, you know, you've been uh, running Focus on the Family Australia for a number of years now. You've probably seen a lot of changes in the pressures that are on families what are what are some of the biggest changes that that you've seen, and you know how how are the pressures on families different today? Oh, that's a really good question, and there's no definitive answer because it, we we change with the times and we evolve, and the things that were you know the the here and now twenty years ago are almost obsolete, and now there's here and now, and then in in two years' time it won't be here and now, it'll be changing. But I do think that technology has a significant influence in our culture today. Uh, some some for good, but there's also a lot of negatives. And we're the most technologically connected we've ever been, but the most relationally disconnected we've ever been. And it's putting a strain on relationships, social media and keeping up with the Joneses and living in a virtual world. That's complicating things with mental health. And we're seeing that increasing, unfortunately, time and time again, that um, through the advent of Facebook and social media and Instagram and Snapchat and things like that, young people and older people for that matter are trying to keep up an appearance of, you know, happy families. Uh, I'm living at the high life. Uh, here's a picture of what I ate right now and where I'm going on holidays. And it's not reality. It's, it's often, you know, been distorted and people think, oh, they're having a greater life. So I feel dissatisfied with my life. So then I compete. 
and we're not real and authentic and, and interacting with one another. So I think one of the biggest effects on our culture today, what's changed, is the ability to have a face-to-face conversation with another human being. And that actually results in a lower emotional intelligence, not reading body language and tone, and we're not being able to share what we're really going on in our worlds and not being authentic. And that's been unfortunate what is happening in our culture today. Mm. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people using the term screen ages these days because so many of our teenagers are on screens. And uh, it's been a big topic on this radio station. I know we've spoken about it on the radio before, Brett. Uh, The reality is that we've got to have boundaries with kids with devices. And there'll be lots of parents during the holidays that will be thinking, look, just go and play on the iPad for a while. I need to have a rest. Um, what's your advice about those boundaries? It's, it's an easy thing to do. It's, it's the path of least resistance. Um, I have spoken on the radio numerous times, and I might be repeating myself, and I apologize if people say, oh, I've heard that before, but I'm going to say it again because it's, it's the disease of the 21st century that we use technology as an excellent babysitter and, and uh, an excellent um, dummy, if you like, to keep our kids um, you know, quiet and and active, but I think it's really important to allow our children to be bored. We don't have to fill their place. We yeah. don't have to actually be their cruise director, and we need to actually make sure that they can have other activities that don't require electronics and don't require thumbs and fingers, and they don't have to be entertained and stimulated all the time with gaming or YouTube or or, or Netflix binges. Uh, there's a whole variety of things, and mums and dads have done themselves a disservice by just giving them um, an easy out. And there was a day and age we didn't have technology and we survived. And if you have a kid that says, I'm bored, that's good. Let them be (laughs) bored. Don't have to fill their place. Don't have to fill all their time. They will find things to do, but there has to be alternatives. Mm. Yes, we can put restrictions, we can put some time limits in, things like that. But we also want our kids to actually own that as well. We want them to consider... What is changing in their world? Are they interacting with their siblings? Are they interacting with other human beings? Are they going outside? Because the detrimental effect of being inside all the time on technology is resulting in physiological, relational, psychological challenges. Academic is going down. Although there's some people say, oh, it's always good for academics. Um, yeah, there are some benefits, but there's also the, the, the opportunity just to learn from you know, books, believe it or not, they still exist. Um, we can get great information, but we need to be more discerning, not just believe everything that we read and see on our devices. Mm. And I think it's really important as parents, we need to role model that as, uh, again, ourselves, how much time we're spending on technology. And if we are spending a lot of time and we tell our kids, get off the technology, you know, a kid will smell it, you know, um, see a hypocrite a mile away and uh, it doesn't doesn't have that um, value that is so important. You know, they need, we need to role model this because if we don't role model it, what do we expect our kids to do? Yeah, yeah. One of my favourite lines I spin to my kids is, hey, I've got this new app for you. It's called Outside. <laughs> let's go <laughs> out. Let's... Go, yeah, great, Dad. You're so funny. <laughs> let's, go outside. let's go for a walk or let's go play, you know, soccer in the backyard or let's, you know, throw the, throw the ball around or something. Um, and one of the best things we've done in this last six months, Brett, is we've got a puppy dog. 
and right. it, it has totally changed the dynamic of our household. You know, the kids are more interested in playing with the dog sometimes <laughs> than their devices. And and so we've had this principle of they're allowed an hour on Saturday and an hour on Sunday uh, after they've done their chores and no devices during the week. And they can watch a bit of TV if they want during the week, but not uh, Netflix yeah. or anything, you know. So we try and monitor it. And then at the start of the holidays, we always have the best of intentions with strict boundaries. <laughs> and then by the end of the holidays, it's you get a bit slack. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, and, and, and it's easy done. It's You know, we need our own little space. We need some head space and we need some quiet time. But it doesn't necessarily mean it has to revolve around them in front of a screen and because, you know, we're seeing toddlers and we're seeing, you know, children under the age of five consuming a great deal of just material and then we're seeing, you know, primary age kids seeing inappropriate material mm. and um, having to grapple with those things. And so, you know, mums and dads, we need to really be aware of what um, is happening. So the Psychological Pediatric Association around the world all agree that children under the age of two should have no technology whatsoever. Children from the ages of two to five, one hour, and ideally co-viewing, so you can watch and talk about those things. Yep. And then above that should be about two hours in primary age. But we do know in Australia, unfortunately, the average length of time a teenager will spend in front of a screen is about nine and a half hours, and that's low-balling it per day. Wow, a day. My goodness. Because they're doing it schoolwork, they're doing homework, and then they have to do everything else that, you know, revolves around technology, social yeah. media, gaming, YouTubing. Um, you know, they even might still watch television, although YouTube is becoming more and more popular for this generation more mm -hmm. than ever before. Mm. And uh, so it, it can easily add up to nine and a half hours. And then on the weekends, if we allow them free reign, they will continue to consume and they just live on this, these devices. And it's not healthy, it's not great for family dynamics, it's not good for relationship building. And uh, honestly, um, the, the mental health aspect is um, deteriorating because of technology. And all the evidence is pointing towards that as, as being a major factor. Morris from Brisbane, have you got a question or a comment? Yeah, just a couple of comments, really. This is an issue that I'm the start of, you know, four young kids um, under the age of seven. So it's obviously something I'm very conscious of. And I just think that my personal goal, my wife's personal goal in life is to engage with our kids and whatever values are being taught, we want them to hold them above whatever they're seeing or hearing on social media or in the movies or on TV or whatever. You know, we're seeing a world now where kids are reaching out to social media and they're going down very dark paths. You know, and even what's televised now in video clips, whatever it is, is downright shocking, really. Violence and, and sexualization and so forth. You know, and even movies in the cinema, what's rated MA15 now, you know, really should have, should be banned, really. So you've got situations where kids are going out to see movies together and, and you know, it's, it's, they're being allowed to go in and see these and, and the, the visuals that go in there are just um, unprecedented, really. And the other thing I wanted to say as well is we talk about technology as in today's technology, but we see now advertised quite widely, you know, 5G is coming. And so technology is going to go to a whole other level, you know. What's it going to look like in 12 months' time, two years' time, you know. And as parents, we need to just, yeah, constantly engage with our kids about what they're seeing and hearing and, and just have a, an environment where they feel comfortable to come and talk to you as a parent rather than uncomfortable. And that is the key to it, I think, is, is, is just, you know, when you talk about values. Um, your kids hold your values higher than what they're seeing and hearing in the world around them. Otherwise, the dark paths they go down 
become very easy and very quick. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Good stuff, Morris. Uh, Brett, what are your thoughts on that? I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's a really important thing you want to instill in your kids. Um, when my boys are growing up, one of the things that we wanted to instill in our children, uh, that Romans 12, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but renew your mind. Uh, you know, the, the patterns of this world will want to, you know, mold them and shape them to this, a, a certain way of thinking. We need our kids to become filters, not sponges and absorbing everything that comes through um, on their earwaves or their eye waves and we want them to be filtering and discerning and, 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 and ask them, what are your thoughts about this? You know, what, what, what do you think about this? And get them to start thinking about it because very often we as parents, because we've got experience and we've got a level of expe- expertise, we can give an answer to our kids. We can actually tell them, you know, this is the way you should think but it doesn't do them any, any service. We actually want them to start thinking through their processes and, and what, they, uh, what is what's healthy, what is or the good report, what is uh, true, what is noble, what is uh, of, uh, of value, you know, from Philippians. We, we need to instill those things and allow them to be able to, when they see something that's inappropriate, you're right, they should be able to come and tell you and, and express their their thoughts about anything and everything and you're going to learn to respond not re- react and say oh how dare you think that way no let's what makes you think about that you know even if it's counter counter to your own values let's unpack those things but we also want to raise up a generation that can be countercultural that not we can stand up for their values stand up for righteousness and stand up for what they believe in and even if people start you know throwing mud at them, they'll be able to stand up for themselves. And, and my boys have done that very well. We're very proud of our boys because they can have these conversations about, you know, uh, what they allow in their eyes and, and what they allow through their ears and they turn things off. They, you know, they, they do it intuitively now. It doesn't, it's not run by mum and dad. They know how to do that. And the same thing with other, other things that uh, conform to the patterns of the world about drinking and alcohol and the highly sexualized world that we live in. You know, they can stand up for their beliefs. And, and nine times out of ten, others actually say, oh, good on you, mate. I wish I could do that. You know, and that's what we wanted to do for our kids. So thank you so much for your comment. Thanks for that, Morris. Yeah, cheers. God bless you, mate. You have a good one. You too. And if you'd like to join the conversation, maybe you've got a question or a comment, you can call now on 1-800-316-316. Our guest on the line is Brett Ryan, the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia. And, uh, Brett, we've just got a few minutes to the news, and I've just got another question I want to ask you. So, you know, I love the way that you talk about how you've been, you know, teaching your children to make their own choices and decisions about technology and what they see and hear and all that. Um, just last week, my wife and I were very convicted. We went and visited a Christian community in Inverell called the Bruderhof. There's uh, 220 of them, and they live kind of like the Amish, you know, no technology. <laughs> they yeah. live um, and they have a, they homeschool their kids there. They wear very simple clothing. They uh, share everything together, just like the Book of Acts. And I said to my wife as we drove away, what did you think, honey? She goes, I feel very worldly. After visiting there, and you know, not not everyone can move to a Christian community and be out of the world completely, because the Bible says to be in the world but not of it. Uh, yeah. But it's a constant challenge for us, isn't it, Brett? Well, we need to be content with what we have, and that's why I really encourage if if uh, parents have got the means to allow their kids to experience another culture. Mm. Um, I've sent my boys to um, to do a missions trip, and. Um, and they come back with a new perspective yeah. and a new way of 
thinking through things. And uh, often that can be a, a catalyst for saying, hey, what we've got here, we've got so much. We're, we, you know, we, we complain when we don't have the, you know, if the internet is delayed by three seconds, oh, my computer's so slow. And, <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, you know, some of these kids are the most content they've ever been. Uh, they're happy. They're, they, don't, they have very little, but they find joy. And even in affluent areas, people don't find joy because it's always looking for the next thing, the next thing. And, uh, and they think that things and materialism is going to make them happy. We need to actually put into the values in your home that, you know, whatever we have, we give praise to God. Whatever we don't have, we still give praise to God. You know, the ups and downs in life, we always praise God. And if we put that as our default, it means that they can choose joy. Um, it's not about external happiness. And I mean, happiness is, is a feeling. Joy is an internal expression of being content no matter what the circumstances. And the Apostle Paul said that, you know, he, he knew what it was like to have lots. He knew what it was like to have least. He knew, you know, to be hungry and he knew to eat heaps. You know, like the, w- w- he, he learned that contentment. And I think that's a really important thing in our culture today. And maybe, you know, you go and experience another culture, but you can do that here in our own backyard and, you know, go and visit a, a, an aged care facility for that matter. That's a great way to start. Uh, maybe go and, and, and work at a soup kitchen, you know, give them a, a face-to-face reality yeah. of what other people are doing life tough and um, so they can learn to appreciate what they do have, not what they don't have. And, Brett, we've had a question from Diana from WA. She's called to ask about the impact, positive or negative, on parents using digital devices during church to keep kids quiet and occupied. Kids get so distracted that they don't learn to behave normally in church and never learn what's being preached either. The message may not reach them, even in small ways, because the device overrides everything. Brett, what are your thoughts on devices in church? Yeah, I have to say I'm not a fan, but I also, I'll put this as a little bit of a side note. I was teaching a group, because I used to be a children's pastor for about 13 years, and I was teaching a group of year sixes, um, and I was talking to them almost like Bible college level, and they were so engaged. But there was one kid kept on playing on his phone, kept on playing on his phone, and it distracted me, and I had to stop what I was doing, and I said, what are you doing? And he says, I'm writing notes. <laughs> and I thought, oh, there you go. So sometimes it could be uh, that they are writing notes, but you're right, that listener, and I thank you very much for the, the call. Um, I'm not a big fan. I do think kids should be able to learn to sit still, um, they do absorb things. Kids can multitask. They do hear some stuff, even if they're coloring a book, even if they're um, reading a book. Um, they can still absorb different things. But I'm a big fan of intergenerational services where, you know, there's something for everyone. When I preach, I tend to try and make sure there's something for the children if they're there, teens, young adults, married, singles, widowers, divorced, you know, there's going to be something for everyone. And so we, as a communicator, you try and make sure that there's, that people want to listen to you and it's relevant and engaging for them. Now, not everyone can do that, but, you know, as far as technology, there's only a short period of time that may be for, you know, 30, 30 minutes, um, encourage them to summarize some notes, maybe, you know, follow their PowerPoint. If they've got a PowerPoint, you know, copy what it said. Um, but I think it's really important to maybe communicate with the, the leadership, you know, 
what can I do with uh, my child? Can they, is there a handout of your notes? And I used to do that when I tried to um, re-engage children into the service, particularly grade fives and sixes, when you know they finished kids' church and they go into big church. Um, they weren't ready for it because they've been so used to being, you know, entertained slash having spiritual time and games and what have you. And then they have to sit in church for a long period of time. So I got the notes of the preacher and I let them fill out the gaps and they can actually fill in. And we found that the kids were really quite um, engaged because they had an area to fill in. Um, So again, there's not one answer that's going to, you know, be for everyone. But I do think kids should be able to learn to sit still. Uh, be engaged, but you know, even if they're colouring in, they're going to still listen to a little bit of what's going on. In fact, a friend of mine's son, who was colouring all during a service, uh, when they gave an altar call, he went up because he heard that altar call given, and and the dad saying, "You weren't even listening." He goes, "I was listening, Dad. I was just, I was just colouring in at the same time." Wow. So kids do listen, and uh, he made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, at, a, at a young age, even though he was colouring at the time. That is awesome. Hey, if you'd like to join the conversation today, give us a call now, 1-800-316-316. Maybe you want to let us know what you do in your church when it comes to kids with devices. Um, I think you raise a good point there too, Brad, about the importance of uh, taking notes. I often say at my church, you know, please take notes during the sermon. Uh, write it down if you're on your device. Make sure you don't go on Facebook, but <laughs> write down your notes on your notes. And, and then, uh, or, or if you've got a pen, you know, you can write them on the neck of the person in front of you. You know, that's another way to do it, Brett. <laughs> but um, it's, it's a very important thing that we uh, are, are proactive when it comes to devices. We're communicating about it. We're not just abdicating. I think that's, that's one of the biggest problems, isn't it, Brett, that uh, people just give up and just let the kids have the devices whenever, wherever. We've got yeah. to communicate and we've got to have a philosophy around it, don't we? Oh, very much so. I mean, in this day and age now, previous uh, caller was talking about, you know, kids being exposed, you know, earlier and earlier. And unfortunately, that's our culture today. And we're being desensitized um, to accept things that we would have never accepted 10 years ago. And it's become the normal aspect of life. We always see in TV shows, um, people who are same-sex, who identify with same-sex attraction. We see people who just meet with each other and they're Therefore, it ends up they're in bed together. Um, these things that um, are becoming so much more normal in our culture, our kids aren't discerning what is right and what is wrong. And that's the reason why at home we have to create this culture that this is what we do in our home. This is, this is what we believe. This is the values that we follow. And, um, and have some healthy conversations and include them in the journey. And if you can do that, they're more likely, as I said before, to follow it through. And I know at Focus on the Family, you have some good alternatives for uh, younger children. Tell us uh, what you guys have available. Yeah, well, we actually put together, and again, it's on technology, so we're levering technology. We want to do it in a healthy way. We've actually just recently, in the last couple of months, launched a thing called FamilyCast. It's actually uh, available on all your smartphones and Androids and Apples and on your on your PCs, and you can download it. And it's got a it's like a bit like a Stan or a Netflix, and it's got a whole host of healthy, um, you know, Bible-based uh, material. 
including uh, the Family Project, the Truth Project. Many of your listeners would know about the Truth Project. Uh, Ready to Wed, which is a preparation for marriage. Fight Your Way to a Better Marriage. Uh, the Dating Project for Young for Teens. Uh, there's a couple of movies called Irreplaceable and The Dropbox. But we've just launched a new one called Talking About Early Parenting. It's a free one. The other one you can actually have to pay for. But we've actually got a special deal at the moment for the next 100 people who sign up. It's half price for a whole year, $30. Which, which is a bargain. They've wow. got thousands of dollars worth of material. They can go through our Facebook account and get the special link on our Facebook at fam, uh, Focus on the Family Australia and hit on the special link. For the next 100 people who sign up, they can get it for half price. And uh, But we've got a thing that's for free called Talking About Early Parenting. It's the not to five-year-olds. And we've pinned up with mainly music and mops and, um, and put together this material. And it just helps people, you know, the small for small groups or as couples or as even individuals, um, 10 to 15 minutes worth of video with some a downloadable uh, material to answer, ask some questions about what you're doing in those formative years. Because if you can do that right, it's going to help you prepare for the teenage years, which inevitably will come because the kids will grow up so fast. And then for the kids, there's things, and many of your listeners would know about Adventures in Odyssey. We've got the audio series, and we've also got the cartoon series. So that's available all at a click of a button, and you can do it on the, on the road when you're in the car and commuting and get healthy information and uh, great opportunities to have some healthy discussions because you can co-view it or co-listen to it uh, together. So good, mate. And if people want to find out, they can search up Focus on the Family Australia on Facebook and they'll find all the link there. Uh, and uh, a great deal available. And I do have to recommend that movie, The Dropbox. I watched it a few months ago. My goodness, I've never cried so much. <laughs> Such a great oh, no. movie. It's about, a, about a, a Korean minister who started an orphanage for children who um, have been, uh, you know, severely handicapped. And he, he welcomes them all in. It's quite extraordinary. Mm. And, um, yeah, you need to have your tissues nearby. So good. Now, if anyone would like to join the conversation, call now, 1-800-316-316. Our guest is the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia. Maybe you've got a question about parenting or marriage. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 1-800-316-316. Richard from Brisbane, have you got a question or a comment? Um, question, oh, it's not really a question, more of a comment. Um, previous caller, you mentioned about um, the young people... Um, notice li- uh, they're listening uh, all the time. I have a five-year-old turning six. Um, we we're always streaming uh, Vision Radio, and like we got Ravi and Just Thinking playing along, and like other even other um, teachings. And our five-year-old's always listening, and we notice that um, he's taking this in, and it really that it really highlights to me. It's like okay, if he's taking this in, what other messages he's taking in that he's hearing on like other radio or other songs or. Um, I've even noticed that, like, he's listening to the preaching at church, and you're just like, this is obviously normal because I have two other kids, and they're similar again. And I think we just underestimated how, at such a young age, they they take on this information. Brett, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. In fact, yeah, I've had um, mothers come up to me when I'm doing a parenting seminar, and they say, oh, my seven-year-old listens to you. In fact, we had a five-year-old. A mother said, oh, when you come on the radio, he says, shh, mummy listen and they listen to whatever i was saying on the like the family minute and then they proceed to discuss it this is a five-year-old which is quite extraordinary and um so 
you know, they, they do take in things, as your listener was saying, and, and thank you very much for mentioning that. Kids can look like they're distracted, but they absorb a great deal. So even whether you like it or not, they're observing and watching what you do and how you respond and how you speak and, and, the, and your attitudes and everything. You're always on show. They're always listening and observing. And so that's the reason why we have to be very careful about what they're listening to and what they're observing. Thanks so much for that, Richard. No worries. Thank you. Have a great day. God bless you, mate. And if you'd like to join the conversation, our guest is the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia, Brett Ryan. Call now, 1-800-316-316. We've got another 10 minutes with Brett. If you want to chat to him, now's the time to call. Now, Brett, uh, you're also doing some marriage seminars with Alan Meyer, who's the founder of CareForce Australia. Great bloke, Alan and uh, Alan and his wife, I think. Are they doing marriage retreats? Yeah, we've been doing a, a couple here in Melbourne. We've uh, hosted what we call the Real Life, Real Love Marriage Retreat. And we hosted it uh, in April, and then we, by popular demand, we hosted another one in June, and we're doing another one in November. And uh, so obviously at the moment it's in Melbourne, and it's, the logistics is, is difficult to take it on the road, but we're looking at expanding in 2020 to go to some major capital cities and maybe some regional areas, depending on if we can coordinate our calendars together and uh, and run some real life real love marriage conferences and uh in that time we can actually look at you know the the differences and the family of origin uh looking at sexuality looking at uh, communication conflict management there's a whole variety of things that we discuss and we've found it extraordinary to hear the feedback from uh the people who have participated uh has been uh, overwhelmingly uh, positive to hear people who said that they were actually going to be separated and, and lead to divorce who have now said that's now off the table. We've had people who said they've had 12 months worth of counselling and what we achieved in those three days was far greater. We've had people who, I just got an email from someone today uh, giving some feedback to say, hey, now my husband's really listening to me and then feeding my language of love and we're in a much better place than we've ever been before. And, uh, I cannot um, say enough how important it is that you need to invest in your marriage. We need to invest in that relationship. And uh, your kids, you know, we might we give them a lot of energy, we give them a lot of time, and often that can be um, given a priority over our spouse. And our kids will leave the nest one time, and you're gonna, you don't want to look at your spouse and say, who are you? Because you've drifted apart. I think it's really important to invest and go on date nights and, and maybe attend a seminar or, or go to a, a conference on your marriage because, you know, I think uh, you mentioned before, Matt, um, off air that we said that, you know, you take your car in for servicing. Even if the car's going well, you need to even go in for a servicing for your marriage. Yeah. That's so true. Hey, and if anyone does uh, want to call up and ask a question about marriage and relationships, uh, Brett's with us for another 10 minutes. Call now, 1-800-316-316. Maybe you'd like us to pray for your marriage. We'd be happy to do that as well. Now, um, Brett, uh, with the topic of marriage, you know, one of the biggest hurdles that married couples have is communication and conflict resolution. And uh, I know my wife and I, we've, we've run the marriage course many times, you know, that, that uh, Alpha has released the marriage yeah. course and the pre-marriage course. And they do a great session about how to fight fair because, you know, too many times we raise our voices or we call names or we, we bring up stuff from the past that's, you know, long forgotten. And not it, you, Matt. You don't do that. No, Matt, not me. No, 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 no. I'm just saying we in humanity. <laughs> but, but the reality is we've got to learn to look at the issue that is the... The, the, what is the issue that we've got 
and then let's focus on the issue, not on calling names or the person, you know, um, and, and let's not raise our voices. Let's be loving and caring. Um, I, it's so important that we teach these basics when it comes to conflict. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, very much so. And honestly, you know, you mentioned the word the basics. Um, often the people who are closest to we take for granted and mm. we don't show appreciation. We don't thank them. We don't, you know, say thank you or we don't say please. And we can just, you know, assume it's all, you know, going to be given to us or, or we're going to receive it. And I think it's those, those basics, those back, back to basics principles that learn to show appreciation and value and, and really listen to one another and, and not just hear the words, but to really listen. I mean, the scriptures in James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Uh, often we're quick to speak and we're quick to become angry and we don't like the idea of, um, of listening. And, and the principle of, of sitting down and, and looking in each other's eyes and, and, and really being engaged and leaning forward and, and, and to hear what the other person is wanting to say. And as men, we tend to like to fix things, especially if there's a problem. Um, sometimes we just need to listen to what they're saying and not try and fix everything and, and acknowledge and, and validate what the other person's going through and not dismiss their feelings and not to dismiss their experiences because that's, for them, it's a reality. And the important thing about sharing the highs and lows, the ups and downs, the things that are um, uh, you know motivating us, the things that are demotivating us, and talk about those things. And it's such an important thing because ideally, you will say when we said those vows for better or for worse, for richer and poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. We either just say those and give it lip service, or we really mean it. And that and life is going to be full of ups and downs. And what are you going to do? You know, it's easy when everything's going up, but what are you going to do when things aren't going so well? Mm, so good, mate. And you know what? I really believe uh, in this day and age, uh, there is so many attacks on marriage, and uh, so many people don't don't even believe in the importance of marriage anymore. You know, there's so many de facto relationships, and people don't realise that it's a covenant between God and and yeah. us. And you know, I, I really believe that prayer and devotions. Uh, in marriage is important as well. Just speak to that for for a little bit. How how important is it for prayer in uh, in Christian couples? Yeah, well, my wife and I we do a devotion every night, um, and we read uh, from a couple of devotional books, and we I read it out, and and then we I, I would like to say that we pray every night, but we don't always do that. But we always do the devotion, and um, and there's a prayer at the end of that, but it's not necessarily. Um, you know, holding hands and, you know, interceding on behalf of the whole world. <laughs> but we do pray for our family together. We do pray for our relationship. And my role as a husband is to, to ensure or to try and see that my wife's passions, her, her God-given gifts and talents are being utilized to their full and to, to know what, what motivates her, to know those type of things and to pray into that. And, and all the evidence points to couples that actually have an active faith who are engaged with each other, with their faith, and doing life together, and enjoying and sharing the Bible and devotions and prayer, the likelihood of them ever separating and leading to divorce is almost negligible. Mm. Those people who just attend church and don't do anything else have the same uh, level of uh, divorce and separation and dysfunctional as, as someone who doesn't have a faith. So just attending church doesn't make you immune uh, because people can go to a church and say, tick, I've done that. It's what you do the other six days of the week. 
And that's the important thing. So I, I really do, back to that Deuteronomy chapter 6 where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and strength. And, you know, have that in part of your world and then you can impress it to others. You have to own it first, believe it, follow it through and have that ongoing health and, and vibrant growing faith yourself and then is infectious. And your kids will pick it up and your spouse will pick it up. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, from Ephesians where Paul was talking about, you know, the household rules, you know, it says, you know, wives submit to your husbands. Um, and then it says, husbands love your wives. You know, we have to, you know, we, we can, thinking that that's, that's a negative thing about that submission, but we have to submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. It means I submit to my wife, she submits to me. I submit to my kids, they submit to me. We do it all together. It doesn't make someone of a higher quality. We're all equal in the eyes of God, but um, we as husbands need to role model this in our households. And the influence of a father and a husband and a man in general has uh, the, the, the ripple effect is far greater. If we do it well... It improves everything. If we don't do it well, there's a lot of dysfunction, and all the evidence points to that. Uh, as men of God, we need to rise up and lead our homes with integrity, lead them with with uh, honesty and faith and transparency, and uh, and have our own faith being real and tangible. Absolutely, Brett. I love your passion and your heart. And uh, I know that uh, you've got these great uh, marriage seminars coming up. If people want to find out more, they can search up Focus on the Family Australia on Facebook and uh, also have a look at their website. Now, you're also going to be speaking at uh, one of my favourite places in Australia, Kalgoorlie. I was over there a few months ago and uh, did a combined church event, had a great weekend there. You're doing the same thing, but uh, doing some a family seminar there as well, hey? I am. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm going to be going there in um, late August. I'm okay. going on the 23rd to the 26th, and they're getting their pound of flesh from, from me. <laughs> and I'm uh, really looking forward to that. I'm speaking, doing a men's breakfast, speaking at a school. Uh, I'm doing a parenting seminar, a marriage seminar, doing a combined event like what you had. Uh, they do it really well in Kalgoorlie, yeah. I understand. So you've been the pioneer. You've gone before me. You've tested the waters, <laughs> and I'm going to follow your lead and and uh, and uh, go there with uh, with a great level of enthusiasm. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, well, I do just want to say what a great example of a town that's in unity. Um, they, they've actually got a Vision 2020, it's called. Interestingly, that we're talking about it on 2020, uh, where they they've they've had a vision to be a transformed city that will transform our nation. And uh, they had Will Graham there uh, preaching the gospel and uh, saw 600 come to Christ a year ago. Then they had Steve Grace there, and then uh, they're obviously working their way down because they had me and then they've got you, Brett. So, you know... Oh, I'm, on, I'm on the straight <laughs> of the barrel. Yeah. But I think they do have Bill Newman coming at some stage as well. I think he's on the... So, but what a great vision that they want to invite people in, like yourself, Brett, who is the top of the pops, you know. You're an amazing man of God and you're going to do a great work there to focus on the family, you know. And they, I know they want to get Bill Newman at some stage and what a great example of a, of a, a city that wants to uh, see their their whole city transformed for the gospel, you know. So I yes. pray for the Lord to bless you as you do that and that other towns will catch the vision, hey? I think so. I, I, I may have said this before, and I, again, I might repeat myself, but one of the greatest evangelical tools in our toolkit is healthy families and healthy relationships. Yeah. And I think the church should have great marriages. They should have great families. But we also know that there are challenges, 
But if we can get our own backyard right, it's very attractive. People will be wanting to know, how, how do you do life? You know, it's not perfect. I'm not expecting perfection, but you seem to have something to hold on to. What can I learn from you? And then it opens up the doors. You earn that right to speak into people's lives. And healthy families and healthy relationships can be a catalyst for that. And everyone wants to do families well. Everyone wants to do relationships well. I just don't know how to do it. And I think, you know, the Bible's got a whole lot of different material to do that well. And uh, we're more than happy to provide those resources and, and opportunities when we get a chance to talk about it and have people ask questions about anything and everything. And I'm, I, I love it. I love Q&A. I love hearing people, what they're, what they're going through. And if I can be of any assistance to them, um, it's such an important thing. And if it points them in the direction of having a faith, you know, we need so many touch points in our lives. Um, and I think the church should be that place. And so we love partnering with churches that partner with one another and work collaboratively and to affect their communities. Good on you, Will. Anyone out there that wants to book Brett, he's a great man of God and he loves to travel around Australia and uh, share, the, share the good news. Uh, you can find out more at uh, search, search up Focus on the Family Australia on Facebook or go to the website. Is it families.org.au? Is that the website? That's correct. That's the one. God bless you, Brett. Thanks for your time. And you'll have to go through my wife to to get permission. (laughs) Good on you. God bless you, mate. Thank you so much. You are more than welcome. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.